Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He... Uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu and with a bunch of elite athletes. And you learn a lot from like the athlete's determination, the resiliency, everything to what me, made them become successful. So it's been a great experience so far. So go on. I'm going to leave uh, the link in the description. So uh, go sign up. Yo, welcome back to another episode of On Spot Sports. I'm Jack, and today's a pretty big episode. We're we're on episode 200 of On Spot Sports, and we're being joined by a very special guest, former professional hockey player Rob Shrimp. Rob was a was a 25th overall first round pick in the NHL draft in 2004 for the Edmonton Oilers, and the NHL took Rob to many different places, including the Edmonton Oilers, New York Islanders and the Atlanta Thrashers composing of 114 games played in the National Hockey League while totaling 54 points. And while also playing in the NHL, Rob has also played 297 AHL games, 19 games in the Dell, 21 games in the KHL, 106 games in the SHL, along with stops in the Ebel, Latvia, Switzerland, while also playing his junior hockey days in the Ontario Hockey League. And he competed with the U.S. National Development Team as well. So this can be a fun episode. So thanks for joining us, Rob, for episode 200. So welcome to the show, Rob Shrem. Hey, thanks for having me, Jack. Appreciate you reaching out and uh, look forward to the next 45 minutes or so talking some hockey and talking about the career. And uh, Again, thanks for having me on and, and thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm glad to get episode 200 rolling out, especially with a former NHLer like last like 100 episodes ago we also had an nhl brent sopel on so it's good to keep that train rolling with another nhl guy <laughs> yeah soaps is awesome i actually i met i met soaps when i was a kid uh he was playing with syracuse crunch in the hl and vancouver system and my old coach john walsh brought him brought him down there to, to skate with us and skate at the training camp there for the tier two uh junior a team that's there um, the Syracuse Junior Crunch. So it was actually I got I got a chance to meet Soaps and watch him, and man, he was a workhorse. I remember as a kid seeing the determination from him and, and the, the work ethic on the ice, and um, 
you know, totally different from what we were used to. He, he bagged himself for like 35 minutes straight after we all got off the ice wow. and we we're just kind of watching it like, man, that's what it takes. So, uh, Soaps was, was somebody I looked up to as, as a kid and began watching him play in the minors in the HL when I was a kid was, was pretty special. So great guy and had a great career. Yeah, he's an he's an unreal guy, and it's like when you do see, do see guys like that, does that like inspire you to like become that guy and like be become that workhorse? Like go thirty minutes after practice, just keep working. Like some of like the like different inspirations that guys like these have on you. Yeah, you can. I mean, you could totally see he was he was on a different level than all of us. We were we were kids trying to just sitting there dreaming about what it took, and he was a guy in the mix of trying to make it to where he wanted to go and. Uh, get himself out of the minors and, and again the, it's, it's just I mean it's a bag skate but he literally skated by himself with no one making him nobody forcing him for you know 35 40 minutes red line back blue line back stops and starts doing the you know the defensive drill stops and starts and uh, I was it was something yeah it was inspiring it's, it, it really let us all kind of see what it actually took again nobody telling him to do it <laughs> him knowing what it took and uh, taking the initiative so um, definitely was inspiring for us to see that. And that's, that's kind of a, you know, pretty much one of the main reasons that our, our coach, John Walsh brought him down there for us to see that different level of what it would take to be a pro hockey player. Yeah. And, and those bag skates, uh, aren't usually that fun, but like when no one's watching, like, what are you going to do to separate yourself from the other competition? Just, he went out there, bag skated and, got got a lot of people in, inspired to do that stuff and like know what it takes to get to that pro level absolutely yeah so like did you have any like inspirations or, like guys you looked up to like go through going throughout like your entire career like when you were young and then like when you got into like the nhl ahl like who were some of the guys that you looked up to uh yeah growing up i had a few few players uh you know nhl players uh, Mike Richter as a young, young kid, I wanted to be a goalie for a long time. And then, uh, you know, that dream came to an end right around 10 years old when I went to a peewee, peewee, uh, it was a peewee camp in Fulton, New York. And I played goalie. And then those, that's when the kids started stepping on the puck, you know, slap shots were whizzing by my head. And I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. <laughs> so it seemed like a good idea. Uh, but then for Mark Messier, I remember taking his off wing snapshot a million times as a kid, you know, against the, the Jersey Devils. That that was someone I always looked up to. Um, and then as I grew up, kind of Peter Forsberg was a big influence of mine growing up when he was playing for Colorado. I, I loved his game and I actually put that on my Trinity Quebec card. And then ironically, later on in my career, I, I played for Moto and he was the uh, assistant general manager with Marcus Naslin. So Kind of came full circle there and got a chance to play for one of my idols or play under one of my idols um, and pro hockey was it was pretty unique so um, the list a couple other ones Tim Conley and Matt Murley were, were big influences for me Tim Conley was from right around the area that I came up in uh, he's from Baldensville I'm from Fulton which is about 10 minutes away from each other and uh, he kind of paved the way for for me as a youngster coming up and getting drafted high in the OHL and then making his debut in the NHL with the Islanders um, someone I really looked up to. And then again, Matt Murley, he played for the Syracuse uh, Junior Crunch. Um, and we I used to go to every single one of their games at home games and watch them play. And he was really dominant and just a really good hockey player, super smart, super skilled and super competitive. So uh, those guys were the guys that kind of, again, growing up as a kid, I, I, I idolized and, and looked up to and then tried to emulate. 
Yeah, that that's unreal. And like once you see like those guys in action, like it inspires you. Like we've been like we talked about earlier, and it inspires you to like be that be that person and like know what it takes to get to the next level and just do like all the little things. Because when you look at the game, like the small details and like what you do outside of the rink or like after practice is what really like gets you to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all, everything all encompassing. So it's important. To, it's not just the hockey piece. It's all the other pieces of it as well. Being a good pro and putting in the work ethic when nobody's watching. And, you know, back in those times there wasn't social media. So there was no like filming your workout or filming your practice and showing everybody. It was, it was more, it was in kind of you to look in the mirror to, to say if you want to do it or not. And that's, you know, that was important back then. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's huge. And that's super important for guys going in the game now and like even more so like what they're doing now. Like you could like record like your workouts, just like see like form, like skates, like try to critique your form and everything. And just like just like that, like there's so many resources that you have right at your fingertips, fingertips now that you can just you can just learn right off right off your phone or your computer. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's such an era grow everybody all of us grew up with in this era, I should say, growing up with YouTube and, and the how-to on YouTube and whatever it is that you want to learn, you can learn now by by an educational video. And now it's even getting more powerful with being able to use your own video, right? Bring your bring your phone on the ice or have someone record and you can kind of make corrections really fast. So it's something we didn't have growing up. And it's it's you know, not to be an old guy and I think it's, uh, I think it's super powerful and it's, that's why the game's kind of evolved so much and you see the skill and the development of players at such young ages these days. I mean, there's, again, it's the power of all these tools that have, have come into the fold and the access to information, how fast you can get it. You know, I think me growing up, I, I get to watch like sports center in the morning and see maybe three minutes of highlights or now you got the, you, the NHL app, you get to watch all the recaps of the games and, all that good stuff and so much, so much more information now. So I think, yeah, the games, the games evolved a ton, you know, even when Gretzky says it, you know, the way that the way that these players are now, how fast they are, how skilled they are. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. So games come such a difference and goaltending, not to miss out on the goaltenders, but the goaltending's, you know, evolved tenfold as well. So it's yeah, a great game. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely changed. And like, everything just keeps keeps developing every year it seems like like the game just starts getting gets getting faster like players are making making plays quick getting off plays quicker like everything like every year something new changes and the game just keeps involving keeps evolving every single year there's a lot of a lot of individual work goes into it the off season there's there's not really an off season anymore for a lot of guys and um, you know, a lot more investment, yeah. personal investment by everybody, I think, and, and a lot more again resources. So, you know, myself, I circle back. I'm in the game working with players individually and watching their game film and showing them what they could have done differently and going over every puck touch and think about what other solutions they could have come up with, even if it was a positive play. So there's there's a lot of that. And it's <clears throat> it's it's huge. You know, you don't have to. I mean, it's yeah, it's so different. You know, I played junior it was like the VCR, right? We had the VHS tapes and yeah. let's fast forward and rewind. It wasn't it wasn't so easy to watch game film. So it's it's come a long way and players are definitely taking advantage of it. You see in the NHL, there's iPads on the bench. You can you can learn right in between shifts 
what went right, what went wrong. So very powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into like your OHL experience, like you said you want to be a goalie. And so like what, like before that, like what made you fall in love with the game and like how old were you when you first put on the skates? Yeah, I was uh, about four years old when I first put skates on in, in upstate New York. It's, you know, it's very, you get a lot of snow there right off the lake, in fact, from Lake Ontario. And it's winter's a real winter there. And it's kind of only natural to go to the rink in the wintertime. So uh, my cousin, Jeff and Chris, they're a lot older than us, about 10, 15 years older each. Let's say, yeah, right around then, 15 years older than my brother and I. And uh, we grew up watching them in high school hockey and stuff. And kind of my Uncle Mike was a big influence for coaching in that area and, and got us into it. So um, started off at a young age of four, not probably not a young age, but normal age, I guess, in yeah. Canada and upstate area, up northern U.S., anywhere near the border. And probably around eight or nine is when I really felt fell in love with the game. You know, before that, it was just kind of a hobby and something to do. And when the lake effect snow started dumping on us, but about eight or nine years old, I really kind of drew a passion for it. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. So to speak to that age. Yeah. Did you, did you play a lot of outdoor hockey when, uh, since you're like pretty much like right on Lake Ontario there? Uh, not that much pond hockey, to be honest with you. The rink was only like six blocks from my house. So, um, had tons of access to that and was always there. I was, like a, I was a pretty big rink rat growing up. So spent a ton of time at the rink and, and anytime there was free ice, I just go out there and, and shoot pucks. So, um, I was lucky to have that. Yeah, we didn't play a lot of pond hockey, to be honest with you. Yeah. So then you, you grow up, you, uh, you wanted to be a goalie. You were, ended your goalie career at like 10, like you said, or something like that. And then you go into your, your, uh, your playing days. And it's like, what made you, what made you start to be a goalie at first and then make, or, and then make that decision to go play, uh, play forward or, def or defense. I mean, it was pretty simple. I didn't, I didn't play full-time goalie. I mean, we always switched till you're like, I don't know, six or seven years old. Everybody plays every position, but I can do the splits. I can do really good splits and I had a really good glove. So I played baseball and I was very, I was very uh, flexible. So I'd go down and, you know, up until whatever, six, seven, eight years old. I just, anytime someone came down, I'd literally go down and split and I could rob them with my glove. And that was a lot of fun. And again, once I got to the older kids, went down and split, tried to make glove saves and pucks were just freaking whizzing by my head. It was like that, that was the abort. That was the abort moment. <laughs> Yeah, and the red light keeps coming on every single every single time you try to go on the splits to make that glove save. Yeah, it was probably like making two out of ten. So it wasn't very good save percentage. And you know, that was a good I don't my we didn't really uh I'd say that my dad didn't really want to have a goalie either. That's a tricky position. And is. I think that was part of the reason why they because the, the guys at the rink too, they thought I should be out. I was pretty good forward, so. I could score goals and stuff and make plays. And they were like, you don't want to be a goalie, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And then again, they put me in that camp and it was, <laughs> they, they knew exactly like, nope. what they were doing. They knew what they were going to get once I went out there. So they were right. And then never went back in the goal against. Yeah. That, that's, that's funny though, because like, every, it seems like everyone wants to be a goalie when they grow up. And then when they get to like that age where they, realize that they're getting lit up or stuff like that they're like nope like like get me out of here and let me let me go play forward or play defense or anything but goalie yeah that was it so short-lived career yeah for sure so then you go into 
you play youth hockey and then you go into your junior hockey days with the Syracuse Junior Crunch before working your way up to the Ontario Hockey League. So like throughout your time of growing up through the ranks of junior hockey, like what are some of the biggest things you learned to help you make that jump to the OHL? Uh, yes, it was a lot to tier two junior A. It was very similar to the Ontario Hockey League, very similar. A lot of the, it was all Canadian teams and we were the one American team. So uh, that kind of, the physicality of that level um, was, you know, that was a big learning curve. Uh, going from Bantam majors to tier two junior was, was a pretty big jump. You're going from boys to men yeah. uh, pretty quick. So I was 14 when I jumped in there and, big, and then I had some pretty good success. So there, there were some guys that didn't like that young kid having success and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So there were some really physical nights and that, again, being there, experiencing that kind of thickened my skin up to that stuff and, and learning how to uh, kind of taught me how to protect myself. And um, yeah, also playing against those older kids that really taught me uh, a lot on, on how to create offense and, and, you know, how to sort of see the play ahead of it and more guess set up plays and, and see the, again, see the play ahead of the play because you had to kind of map it out, plan it out and, some of these guys, a lot of the guys were coming down in that league where, you know, they already played three, two or three years in the OHL. And now they're like 19 or 20 years old and they were just kind of their last year junior. So again, that was a great ex experience for me, learning experience, uh, play at that level, play with that style of hockey. Um, at that young age, it gave me the, you know, kind of the base that I needed to go play up in the OHL at 16 years old. So it was great. It was a great opportunity because, a lot of junior teams all over the U.S. wanted me to come play for them. The U.S. national team wanted me to play for them. Uh, but having that level of hockey, playing right in my hometown, not having to leave earlier than than four. You know, I left at 16, but getting recruited since the time I was 13 to leave home, I didn't have to because I had that resource in my backyard um, to stay and play in Syracuse. So very fortunate for me, and and uh, you know, it gave me a lot. It gave me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So then like throughout like the time you are like 14, 15, 16, like you're facing you're facing men like 18, 19, 20 years old. So like what what do you do in the offseason to like help prepare yourself for that physicality and just like like get that experience playing so young to be able to just work through work through the physicality like you know it's coming just being able to stay stay strong on your feet and be a be a big guy up front. Yeah, was, uh, you know, worked with this uh, off-ice season gym, Strides of New York. Um, they were awesome. Mike Mike, and Joe Derricola, this gym, so they helped me get prepared to play at that young age and kind of get my body going in the right direction, off-ice habits and that sort of thing. So it wasn't huge in that time, at that age. It wasn't like everybody was doing it. So it was something of a, you know, something new to me, but also in the summer times, I, I stayed on the ice all, I mean, I never came off the ice until I was, until I went to the OHL, you know, after the OHL season, then you start to realize you, you need a little bit of downtime after the season. Yeah. But up until then I would be on the ice as much as possible. The rink was, again, was six blocks from my house. So I spent as much time as I possibly could there. And, um, yeah. I always was ready to play no matter when it was during the year. I always had, you know, my game sort of dialed in again, as much ice as I could possibly get, um, I would take. So 
just kept my game fresh, stayed on the ice, and and again strides in New York, um, Central New York. Mike and Joe Derricola were were what I did. Yeah. So then you uh, you begin your career in the OHL, where you went from being with the Mississauga Ice Dogs before joining the London Knights. Like, what was your OHL experience like in Mississauga and then London? Like overall, like what was your OHL draft? What was your OHL experience like? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I, I played and I got drafted first overall and a lot of attention and playing in that league and playing in front of, that was the first experience to play in front of buildings with, with a lot of fans. We didn't have a lot of fans in Mississauga, but on the road, there was some buildings, you know, that have seven, eight, 9,000 fans. It was something new and it was like very exciting and uh, learning the pecking order of, of junior, you know, this, the vets and, and getting a, uh, first experience getting kind of shit on as a young guy and, and, you know, whatever the, the, it's not hazing, but the pecking order, you know, you learn your role, you learn your place, um, that sort of thing. That was the first experience at that level. So it was, you know, first year was, was definitely a learning curve. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is as a young guy, it's trying to dodge the hurdle of the vets. <laughs> it's basically what you spend your first year doing. Uh, you know, and then after that, it was, it was pretty cool. So, um, it was, it was a great experience. Got a chance to go to London, see that play in front of those fans and play in front of, you know, a big pack building every single night, treated like an NHL player at a young age. Um, and then winning a Memorial cup in the city, there was a lot of great emotions that went into playing the OHL. So it was, it was a, it was a whirlwind. It went pretty fast, but there was a lot, a lot of good and, you know, a couple bad things, but you know, that's shaped me as a player, shaped me as a human. Yeah, absolutely. It's like throughout like that time that you have to like, you're finding your role, like finding your role is super important, especially when you're going up the ranks in, in hockey in the professional world. It's like, what, what was it like? Like, what was it like finding that role and just being able to do whatever you can for that role once you found like where you belong? Yeah, once you get into a rhythm and you get into, you find, uh, you know, my coach told me in junior, Don Kernan told me, you know, every league you go to, it's going to take 10 games to figure out the patterns and sort of find your place. So once you find your place and you find your patterns, you see the flow of the game, you start to get into a rhythm and you start to find yourself. It's, you know, it's, it's, you feel confident. You feel like every time you're on the ice, you can do something. So it's, uh, you know, it's tough to first time it happened pretty much to a T. I didn't score my first goal in the OHL for like 10 games. It was right around there, eight to 10 games. I didn't get one goal. I still had, you know, in 10 games, had like 13 points, but I didn't have any goals. So it took me a minute to figure out the scoring areas and the trends and, again, the patterns, where to get open, where to shoot from. But after that, you start to get your confidence and you start to kind of get back to like when you were playing junior, uh, playing even younger than that, dominating the games and making plays and seeing the plays ahead of ahead of it and, um, you know, once you get to that confidence level, it's, it's a, such a fun league to play in and, you know, playing in front of a bunch of fans and all that stuff. It's such a cool, it's a cool experience to be a teenager and have that again, almost like a professional atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I think, I think that all, that all comes with experience. Like you said, like that eight to 10 games, like you said, like you just got to feel comfortable at that level and just, or get more comfortable as you're not going to be very comfortable still to like maybe like 15, 20 games, but like just finding that, find that path where you're at least a little bit comfortable to just be able to put some pucks on the net and score, score a goal and, and do, do your job. 
Yeah, and then you become relied on, you know, it feels good too. You get relied on it from the team to produce yeah. points and, and be a factor. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it. It's it's, a, it's, it's such a, you know, growing and uh, development role or development kind of roller coaster. You Once you find your groove, take what, it, again, then there's other pieces of it. Learn what it's like to be in the pecking order, learn your place at the table, um, and then learn your place on the team. So it's, it's all encompassing. And again, it, it, at that age, it kind of shapes you as a, as a human and as a player. So um, it's an exciting time, you know, it really is. Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of your favorite memories throughout your OHL career? And like, just, I know you, you won a Memorial Cup that on uh, one of the years in London too. It's so like, what was like winning that Memorial Cup? I'm sure that was one of your favorite memories from the OHL. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Doing it in London in front of the home fans and doing it against winning against Sidney Crosby. There was so much attention in their team and who we had in our team. So it, the biggest thing was to probably doing it in front of our own fans. You know, doing it at home, get to really enjoy that, feel that energy throughout the whole tournament, and it's right until the end when we got a chance to raise the cup. It was it was truly special. So that was the highlight for sure. The group of guys we got to do it with. You know, we went out there and did it like, you know, as brothers and um, stuck up for each other, showed up for each other and right from the drop of the puck in the first game of the season to the end. So um, it was a really special experience. Yeah. And those those were what you live for, those those championships, those memories and just being able to have those memories forever, especially like winning a Memorial Cup. Like not a lot of people get to raise a Memorial Cup and and say that they won in the OHL. It's a tough trophy to win, you know. It's a small window, yeah. really, of your career. Um, I was lucky to play a 16-year-old year, but most guys don't get to start until they're 17, and then they're done at 19. There's only three overage spots per team, so most guys the window's three three years long, and you got to get lucky enough to get on a team that's organized and ready to, to do that. So, uh, very fortunate um, to have one inside that window. The year before, we had a really good team and. We fell short in the, in the Western Conference Finals, so it showed us that, you know, again, that window's small and it's not given. So a lot of good things we learned, lessons learned there, you know, by losing one year in the playoffs and the next year following it up with a win. So, yeah, it's, it's a very tough window to pull it off. Again, it's a lot of it, a lot of it's to do with luck and where you go as a player. And, then you're, again, your window being two to three years long is uh, makes it even harder. Yeah, absolutely. So then throughout like your OHL career, like you were also a part of the U.S. National Development Team. So like what was it like being a part of that National Development Team and then getting that shot to represent the U.S.? Uh, it was great. Yeah, it's always an honor to get to get called to your country and playing that that tournament. This World Juniors tournament is, is huge and very well regarded and very well, um, you know, it's it's watched by every major team in the league if you think about it everybody's watching that scouts wise and you know comparing the players all and Ovechkin being there and then my first year in North Dakota it was it was stacked I mean that was Canada it's probably one of Canada's greatest teams of all time 85 birth year uh they were stacked so it was it was awesome to get a chance to first play for my country and then the second piece of it obviously as an individual player getting a chance to gauge yourself against some of the best in the world and will be best in the world for, from every country, really. Um, <clears throat> it's a great, great honor and it's a great test. So it's, it's great to get that too. And it's also like a little change of pace in the middle of an OHL season, you go and play in this totally different style of hockey tournament. 
um, you know, very unique and, and it's awesome. It just gives, and it gives you a lot of pride to be picked on that team because you know, they only pick 23 players and to be considered one of them is, is always an honor. Yeah. So like, what, what do you learn throughout like all that, all those experiences in the world juniors, especially when you're playing against guys like Ovechkin and just top, top guys in the country and top guys in the nation. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, to see their, at that age, everybody has their own style. Everybody has their own way they play the game. And, um, going into that sort of tournament, you only know some of these people through articles or what people have said or what people have wrote. So get a chance and that opportunity to get, you know, face them and be on the same ice surface as them is, is, it's pretty special. Cause then otherwise you wouldn't see these players until you got in the NHL together. So it's, it's just all that buildup that goes into it. You know, the rankings, the, NHL draft rankings and all this other, you know, kind of energy that leads into that tournament with the players. I think it's, it just builds up and then you get that chance inside two weeks to go and try to win a championship for your country. So you have a lot of, a lot of emotion built up as far as, you know, pride in your country, pride in your own game and want to prove that you're the best uh, at what you do. Uh, all that's kind of encapsulated, or encapsulated inside of a two week tournament. So it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, it is, uh, it's definitely neat. So, but you get, yeah, you get to see some, some things guys do and some, you know, when they're out on the ice, when the other teams are playing, um, you're not playing, you're watching the other games. Again, you see these other players habits, even small stuff, like things guys do in warmups or the way they prepare. Um, and then when they get on the ice, they're, they're, you know, especially at that age, the things that they try that work and the things that they try that don't work, you can kind of learn from that as well. So, it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And like, those are some of the biggest things to learn is just when you're going through like these, these experiences, just to see what others do. And like, especially like on a world-class stage like that, like the best in the world, like you're going to learn and you're going to see a lot of like what these guys do to make themselves so successful and just to what they're, what they're, they're capable of and like develop in uh, their professional years. Yeah, definitely. I think see some some of the players that what they were doing at World Junior still works in the NHL, so <laughs> they had it figured out early. Yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into your pro days here a little bit. So in 2004, you were drafted in the first round, 25th overall in the NHL draft, chosen by the Edmonton Oilers. So what was it like to get drafted by the Oilers, and like, what was your first reaction to getting drafted? Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was great. I, mean, I had a lot of people in the, in the, uh, in the stands. Um, around 100, 100 plus people came down from my from around my area where we live. Um, it was great. So the name got called and everybody set up and cheered. And it was, it was, it was a great day because there's a lot of people that had been along for the ride the whole time. Growing up playing somewhere from my squirt days. Uh, Quizales, Zins Myers. Um, I want to forget names. I'm not going to go on a name list because I can name like a hundred people. <laughs> so, but, you know, there were some great people there, you know, Harash just came down. It was, it was awesome. So um, just to get drafted, you know, kind of from 14 years old up was really, that was the focus was to get to the NHL draft and get picked. So um, it was, it was an exciting day. And it was kind of rewarding in some sense, you know, with the work we put in as a group, as a family paid off up until then. So 
a lot of emotions and excitement and nerves. You never know where you're going to get picked. You know, I was ranked in the top 10, so I uh, thought that would be a thing. And then, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that went on that day. So it was good to finally have my name called and, uh, you know, interesting going to, to the West coast with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, it was an interesting pick too, is they were more of like a physical crash and bang sort of hockey team. So kind of right out of the gate, it was a little bit like, Oh, I wonder how I'm going to fit there. But all that emotions, it's all wrapped in one day. And then after then you got to figure out how to make the NHL club. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great day when you get drafted, but then you got to work your way up to, to the NHL, which you did in 2006, 2007, when you started your professional career, you played and you got to play in one game with the Edmonton Oilers as well as 69 with the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins in the American League. So what do you have to learn that first year of professional hockey if you're going to stay in the NHL? Uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes on. You know, the year before, I had big success in junior and had a ton of points, and then you get the pro, and it's, you know, everybody in the NHL is, I'd say, like, you know, 75 80% of the league is literally one, just one thing away from being in the NHL. Yeah. There, it's, it's not a huge drop-off, you know, it's, doing one thing better. Uh, so it was a lot tighter, a lot tougher to score, a lot more desperation. And, you know, playing the NHL made you realize that it's a job. Uh, this is what people do for a living. You know, you got guys in your team with kids and families and it's, it's no longer a joke anymore. Not a joke, but like, you know, in junior, you're, you're talking about stupid stuff in the locker room and yeah. you know, screwing around and you're teenage boys. And that moment you walk in the HL locker room, it's like, okay, this is a man's game. This is no longer boys just being beauties and, you know, doing it for the boys and all yeah. this shit, <laughs> you know, that, that stuff's out the door and you're talking about, you know, it's a livelihood. So yeah, uh, it, it was a quick learning curve for me. It took me a minute, but same thing, 10 games. It took me 10, 15 games to learn the, the patterns there and, and kind of find my place in Wilkes-Barre and, we had a great group, had a great veteran group, Dennis Bobby, Wade Bookbank, a uh, ton of great guys that there to look after me and sort of, they weren't as harsh as the junior boys, <laughs> you know, it wasn't so much of that shit, you know, it was more yeah. teaching you how to be a man and teaching you how to show up to the rink every day to work, even when, you know, things weren't going good. So it was a, it was a great learning curve and it's, it's, you know, it's tough. There's everybody's fighting for their life in that league and you know, for their career They'll do anything to get up to the next level. So you have to learn that that's, that's the reality of it. Even if you're a first round draft pick, it is not going to be given. Um, yeah. It's earned. So I didn't get my first game until, you know, last like game 81 of the season. So uh, I guess that was, you know, kind of the message from the, the big club as well. You know, you're really going to have to earn it and they weren't going to give me anything. So um, good life lesson because that's the way it goes in real life too. Yeah, exactly. So then you make your NHL debut on April 5th, 2007. So can you take us back to that day and like what it was like to skate in that in the pregame lap, like pregame warmups, like take that first lap? And were you nervous or excited? Like what, what were some of your emotions throughout that day? Yeah, super, super nervous. You know, you just have this thing like the NHL is super, you know, super league and yeah, everybody's unbelievable and and you know, you kind of wonder, well, how's this going to go? Like, how are you going to fit in first game? And especially when you come up in your first game and it's game 82, like everyone else is already 
been there and been around knows, you know, it's a lot of veterans, but like even in the course of a season to come in at the 81st game is kind of crazy. Um, you know, everybody has their routines, everybody has their patterns, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's nerve wracking and, and trying to, you know, as a rookie, not screw up everyone else's, you know, uh, yeah. routine and, and start to stick to your own at the same time. And it was nerve wracking for sure. It was hard to the first couple of shifts was just minds all over the place. You're super excited. It's the first game you're, you know, it's a lot of nerves, a lot of, a lot of emotion. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to handle, um, keep it under the wraps and stay calm, so to speak, but it was exciting and it was awesome. It was an honor to, to finally put the sweater on. Um, it was great. Yeah, absolutely. So like, what did you have to learn about the quickness of the game at the NHL level, especially those first few shifts? Like you said, like your mind's going literally everywhere because you're excited and you're nervous. You don't want to screw up play. And like, you have so much on your mind. It's like, what was that learning curve like and just learning the quickness of the game at the NHL level? Yeah, it was, it was super fast. You know, we played the first game against Minnesota. Marion Gabrick's out there just absolutely buzzing around with speed that, you you know, I'd never seen before. You've never seen speed like that before. So it's just knowing that there's guys like that around the ice that can strike at any moment. you got to be really responsible and aware of all the players that are on the ice. Again, the players are super elite at that level. So there's not much time for lapses in your thinking or, you know, your awareness. So just being aware all the time and, and conscious of, of who's on the ice. It's when you're again, first game is game 81. That's what you're thinking about when you're coming through the course of the season, start the season up there. You're probably thinking way differently. Like you would think more like, who am I going to pick apart versus, yeah. Oh shit, Gabbard's on the ice. You know what I mean? Like that's, there's yeah. a totally different mentality. Cause you don't want to be the guy when you're that guy coming in at game 81, you don't want to be the guy that gets embarrassed. But when you're the guy that starts the season, you start building confidence through the course of the year. By that time of the season, again, you're thinking totally different. You're like, who am I going to pick? Okay. You know what I mean? That's the defenseman I'm going to pick on tonight. Or Gabrick's cheating for a breakaway. I'm going to take advantage of this. It's totally different mindset um, when you have that confidence level versus a call up and nervous as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then you, uh, you finally find a, a spot on, uh, an, on an NHL roster and, in 2009 so like December 12th 2009 you scored your first NHL goal so do you remember do you remember how it happened like was it like getting that first first NHL goal out of the way yeah I was in the power play Kyle Oposo walked off the opposite half wall I was kind of by the bottom of the circles and he saw me and I didn't even I didn't yell I just was like had my stick up again and he tried to make a pass to me cross seam and on the way over to me, it was common money too. Someone got a stick on it and it deflected towards the net. And then Matt Molson was exactly where always where Matt Molson always was right in front of the net. And he started shoveling away at Tim Thomas. And I was at that point, wound up kind of behind the goal line and Matt squeaked that thing loose for me. And I was behind the goal line. I bounced it off Tim Thomas's back of his skate. And uh, yeah, once I wasn't sure because Matt was digging in there. So I did, wasn't sure if there was going to be a whistle you know, or, or whatever, the interference on the goalie, blah, 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 no whistle, goal counts. And then I just kind of celebrated pretty hard and a couple fist pump. And then I jumped into Mark Streit's arms and I dislocated his back, how hard I jumped into his arms. So I was maybe a little bit overexcited, but that was a long time coming. And uh, I guess I'm super excited to finally see that puck on the goal at the NHL level. 
Yeah, good, good to get that that first goal out of the way. And like, what what better goalie to score on than than Tim Thomas? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't imagine it being to bounce off the back of him from behind the neck. I never imagined my first goal being that way. But um, I take whatever I can get. You know, you get that level. It's it was great to just have finally get a goal. Yeah, for sure. You're you're thinking that you're gonna whiz it over the goalie goalie shoulder for the first one, like something like something marvelous to happen like that. And like, you get a little, a little tap in the behind the goal line, but like a goal is a goal. They don't ask you how it happens. They ask if, if you scored. Exactly. That doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I got the plaque, got the puck in the plaque. So it's uh it was special and it was exciting. So uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool, man. I had a lot of, a lot of great emotion with that and happy to do it with the Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. So then throughout your NHL career, you spent you also spent time with the New York Islanders playing 89 games for them and then 18 games for the Atlanta Thrashers. So like looking back at your career in the NHL, like what are some of the biggest things about playing in the NHL and playing in some of those cities? Yeah, some of the excitement playing in Chicago, Chicago's building, Madhouse. It was awesome. The energy that that building had playing up in Montreal and their building, the Bell Center was was sick to, to see their fans and playing for an impact crowd like that. That was pretty special. So getting a chance to be on the trips every every time and, and making the road trips and playing a real NHL season, traveling the team all the time. And it was a lot of fun. You know, it's, it was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed every minute of it, playing rides with the boys, playing cards and being in a new city every night. And it was, uh, that was great. So that's why they call it the show. Yeah, and you that's that's what it's all about is like the the memories you make from like the team the, your teammates like going on roadies like roadies are a lot of fun like just playing cards just doing just shooting the shit with the boys like that's that's all that matters like when it comes back to when you look back at it and like you're like oh I got all these fun fun memories to play in the NHL got all these fun memories like that's all that matters at the end of the day. Absolutely, time spent together. Yeah, absolutely. So like you were, um, you're a mainstay for the Islanders for two, two seasons. So like, what was it like to finally crack like an NHL roster and like be able to stay at the, at the NHL level for a couple seasons there? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was awesome in that sense and have that kind of uh, stability and, and have, be able to just not have to worry about security every single day being called up or yeah. called down, sent down. So that was a lot of fun. It gave me a good chance to kind of open up and, you know, be the, be who I am. And, uh, you know, really enjoyed my time there. I fit in pretty well with that group. We had a great locker room. It was a lot of fun. Boys had a lot of fun every day. And, and unfortunately our team was not very good. Uh, weren't winning many games, which sucked. Um, but as far as the group and, and getting a chance to be at that level every day, practice every day, be on the road trips and, bond with those guys. It was, it was a ton of fun. Um, it really was. So this is just the only, you know, I'm not a big fan of losing hockey games and we, we didn't win very many. So it was, it was tough. And that's you know, a big part of the reason things changed. And I got put on waivers and moves. You know, they had to make room for younger guys and their draft picks. So uh, it would have been nice to have more success there. So I could have stayed a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, I was very appreciative of my time there and it gave me a, a jumpstart back to my career you know at the end of it with the Oilers it was really down times for me and frustrating and, and lost my confidence lost my game so uh, once I got a chance to be in the lineup with the Oilers or with the uh, Islanders 
uh, it really lifted my spirits and, you know, I got a chance to do some cool stuff. It became like a shootout specialist in the NHL, which not many people can say they've done, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was great. Got a, again, chance to showcase my skill a little bit. I scored a couple of nice, really nice goals and made some good plays and proved that I could play there. And that was what was important to me because it was getting to a point with the Oilers where uh, they got me down low enough where I didn't believe in myself anymore. So it was it was an uplifting time and carried me along for many years after in pro. Yeah. So looking back at like your NHL career, like what are the biggest things you wish you did while you're playing in the NHL? Like looking back at it. Um, what's the, sorry, what's the question? What were some of the biggest things that you wish you did while you were playing in the NHL looking back at your career? I'm not sure, to be honest with you, what I would change. I, it, once I got a chance to play there, I was happy with, you know, how I produced and how I, you know, um, handled myself as a pro. And, and I don't have any regrets in that regard. Maybe I would have asked for a trade sooner. Hey, at least you didn't have any any regrets or anything like that. And, like, you're just – you're out there being a good pro. And because that's what it all comes down to is just being a good pro and just doing everything you can to – make sure you are that good, good human being and just being able to, to be up there and play and play in the NHL. Absolutely. Show up every day for your teammates and show up every day for yourself is all you can do. So I can say that I did that every day and happy with the work that I put in to be there and stay there. And, um, you know, I don't, I, there's not much I would change again. I think I said, I would, I would ask for a trade earlier. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, and like like you said earlier, you're a you're a shootout specialist. Like, what was your uh, what was your favorite shootout move that you uh, that you put on during out throughout throughout your pro professional hockey career? Uh, I didn't really have a move. I, you know, it kind of seems that way if you watch my my shootout package. But I, I came down every single time with a clear mind, and I would just make the only thing I would do is I would sell a fake really early, and just to see what kind of reaction I would get. And then every move I made after that was always kind of on the spot. So a lot of times the goalies gave up the same thing. They'd make the same mistake. So I just captured on the same mistake and take advantage of it. A bunch of low blocker goals. You know, I remember uh, Luongo and Miller, both of them bit really hard on my first sell. Their, their right blocker side leg dropped. And that let me know that I got them because once I got their feet, I got them. Um, and they're both different goals. I mean, the one on Miller, I've sold him on that. He dropped his leg and then I sold him on the next one. I pulled the glove on Luongo. I sold him. He dropped his leg then I sold him on glove and then I went blocker. So it's a totally different, you know, it's just reactionary. The one thing that I always preach though, is when you're coming down is you got to find a way to get the goalie's feet in your control as a shooter. Um, cause once you get their feet, it makes it very hard for the next cell. You get one fake, the second fake, they bite on it. And then you got a lot of times you'll have an empty net to, it into yeah absolutely and as a as a goalie like those are the toughest toughest positions to be in when you do get do get beat and then like you someone fakes you out and like then you move your move your uh, leg and then you're you're pretty much done at that point because there's not that not much you can do after that yeah you just gotta have that patience and understanding so sell the yeah. you gotta sell something you gotta get them to bite and then usually if they don't bite, and then they're by that time they're backed up in the net, and then you got a lot of nuts to shoot at. So kind of understanding what you're looking for. Yeah. That's for me. I felt very comfortable in that situation. So it's just patience there, read the information that's given by the goalie, and then 
find the hole. Yeah, absolutely. So then in 2011, you began your tour in Europe, playing in multiple countries and multiple leagues, including the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, the EBEL, uh, the NLA in Switzerland, Latvia, Belarus, Sweden, among others. Like, what made you go overseas to play in the European leagues rather than try to stay in North America? Uh, that was offered by the Winnipeg Jets. The first offer was a, a two-way contract and, and starting the minors. So that was kind of – I had just gotten out of that situation. I, I didn't really yeah. want to go back to it. Um, I didn't think I had the capacity to climb back up the ladder through through the minors, to be honest with you. I wasn't there. I couldn't imagine doing it again. So I just said I'll go to Europe, and, and I wanted to go to, you know, a good good league and – a lot of the feedback was about my skating. So I wanted to go to a league where the skating was very good and something that I could work on. And Sweden is, is well known for their, for their skating ability and the way the game's played there. So I chose that over the KHL, I had two offers and I chose the style of play over money per se for the options and um, went over to Sweden and had some pretty good success. So I'd seen, you know, guys, I'd heard stories, guys going over there, proving their game there and coming back. So that was kind of the mindset, but, after the next season, um, the lockout struck, I came in and <clears throat> that was kind of history for me. It was, it was almost impossible to get back after that lockout. All the guys came over to Europe then. KHL was packed. Every every league was packed with, with NHLers. So they came over until the strike was over, until the uh, strike, whatever, the lockout was lifted. Yeah. And, and then once that, it was, you know, two years out of the league and it was very, very tough to come back. Yeah, I came back one year more with the AHL. I put up a good, basically a good half of the season. Um, started off hot, and they told me if I played well, then I could make myself into a, an NHL contract. And it didn't happen, which is unfortunate, but I was I was happy enough with just the opportunity to come home for a year and be closer to my family. And, um, you know, it was okay. But, again, it's it's not easy to get there, so. I got there once and tried to tried it one last time, the second time, and then it was the realization that uh, it wasn't going to come true. So I uh, had to live with that and carry on and make a living. And when I decided it was time to be done, I, I retired in 2018 after my last year with Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely. So then you uh, you go on to play around in all these European leagues. Like, What were some of your favorite spots that you played in throughout your tour overseas in Europe? Well, Switzerland's beautiful, amazing country. You know, it's like living in a postcard. So that side of it, the scenic side is pretty cool. The hockey is fairly easy on the body. You know, this big week is three games in a week. I remember playing games in the AHL. You're playing 16 games in 29 nights with travel, you know. Yeah. So it was much easier on the body. And, you know, you're living this pretty cool lifestyle. Um, mountains going up on top of the mountains and have beautiful views and go for walks and hikes in the forest. So I really enjoyed Switzerland and Austria. They're both kind of the same in that, in that lifestyle sense. Um, it was awesome. And then playing in Sweden was, was really good. It was very good hockey. The league, I, I was, I would say that's in my opinion, it was the second best league in the world outside the NHL for how good the players are, how, how well, the, you know, how good the league is and the players involved in it. So the skill level is super high and the tactics are, are very strong and you got to be on top of your game in that league. So uh, playing in Sweden to spend some time in Stockholm, these beautiful cities and, and traveling around. It was, it was awesome. So my tour was, was pretty cool. I got a great chance to play in NHL. Once that dream was over, I still got a chance to play in some great places and see some things that I, I would have never 
got a chance to see if I didn't play hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And like that, that's all that, like, that's all, all that matters. Like when you go over like the, to Europe, like you see the, you see different kind of different kinds of hockey, like in each country that you go to and like, you get to experience some really good, really like interesting countries and like see a lot of interesting things and things you probably never would have seen if, if it wasn't for playing hockey. Yeah, definitely. My, my, my daughter was born in Austria, so some cool stories and yeah, great things were that were silver linings to, to the NHL coming to an end for me, but again, silver linings in, in my life. And I met my wife over here and again, grew my family and get some culture. So it's uh, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So then you decided to retire from the game after the 2017-2018 season, but then you came back last season to play for HK Moga and Mogo in the in the Latvian league. So where you played in 17 games, getting 14 points, like what was it like coming back into the game after not playing for two years and just experiencing the the game in Latvia? Yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, I was two years retired, literally retired, not training, not skating. I was playing once a week men's league in Florida. So I wasn't really, uh, you know, when I got asked to play, I didn't realize the, the commitment level of it. So it was a jump starter, you know, getting back into it in the body. So, uh, you realize what it takes on the body to, to be at that level that you're used to. And, uh, it was it was fun to come back and have a locker room atmosphere. But I would say, like, yeah, taking two years off was tough. <laughs> it's had definitely some some rust on the lungs. So, but it was funny. I getting back in the locker room, competing again. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. So I enjoyed it for half the season, and then it's you know time to let some other players play, and 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 I just jumped out and was like a more of a a coach, uh, video coaching for the guys and doing the power play stuff for them. So uh, it was it was good to come back again and have that everyday locker room banter and you know shooting the shit with the guys and joking around and all that good stuff. So that was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And like you got to experience another another country that you didn't play in before, and like you, uh, it was a it was a great way to end your end your career. I would I would think, and just being able to play those seventeen games and get that get that feel to play uh, professional hockey again. Yeah, no, it was fun. The competition's always fun. You don't get that competition in men's league. Oh yeah, that that's that's for sure, hundred percent. But I've I've a few more questions for you before you wrap things up here. So. Uh, do you have any tips for players looking to get to that next level? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, that's a very vague question, but it's, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, it doesn't matter who's watching, you should be putting the work in. Um, there's so much resource out there these days that you take advantage of it, whether it's technology, film, watching your game, film, study your game, study other games. I think that one thing that's kind of disappointing these days, in my opinion, is how little uh, hockey, other hockey players watch. Uh, I think watching the game, watching other, doesn't have to be just NHL. It could be, you know, whatever, AHL, NCAA, whatever it is, watching hockey and just watching and learning the game. And I think it's super important. You know, I think that part of it down a lot. But that's where you can learn a ton. Again, talking about it, World Juniors, watching guys from other countries, seeing what works, what doesn't work, trends and, and little things in the game are super important. Um, you don't have to figure it out on your own all the time. So all the time, sometimes it's more about, again, watching the game and seeing what other players that are really good at it do and then perfecting it yourself. So study the game and, and use the resources around you 
Um, and only you can <clears throat> only you can answer the question if uh, do you really want it or not. Nobody else will answer that for you. And people like myself and other ex pros or whatever have a lot of information that they can share with you, but they don't have the solution to all your problems. Sometimes it's it's about you know putting in hard work and it's simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. And those are those are some great tips, especially like the the watching the game because you have so many different resources, YouTube, the live games, like TV, like all of that, like coach, like online coaching, like you have all these different resources to, to help you develop and get to the next level. And you just gotta, gotta use those resources for, uh, for your benefit. Absolutely. Invest in the game, invest in your game. Yeah, absolutely. So then my next question for you is you're, you're involved in the coaching side right now. Like you have 44 vision hockey, so like what's it been like just being able to be on that coaching side, especially like after your career ended? It's been a lot of fun, you know, helping players see the game and helping them give them trip uh, tick, uh, tips and tricks to the trade and having them implement it and succeed at it. It's, it's very gratifying to be able to share that information with them and, and open up their game and um, mentor them. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that just, it's always the same in hockey. I mean, it's the same shape. The nets are in the same place. So a lot of the stuff is the same. There's new trends and there's, you know, games getting faster, but there's, there's certain things in the game tricks of the trade that will always be there. And being able to share that with, with the younger players has been a lot of fun. So very gratifying and something I, I thoroughly enjoy doing, uh, especially in this capacity of being in, Latvia, I can help a player, whether in Michigan, whether in California, wherever they may be, um, I can spread that reach and, and help grow the game, help players grow their game. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's all that's all what it comes down to, especially like when you're a coach is just doing whatever you can to help to help give the players the resources that you can to help develop them. But it's it's ultimately on them to see to for them to actually do the work and put that effort into where they want to be. Yeah, exactly. Doing the reps. Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, I have a few, a few of uh, viewer Q and a questions here that people submitted on Instagram. So uh, the first one is at what point did you realize that the NHL wasn't going to work and like, what were your immediate thoughts when, when you realized that? Yes. And once Winnipeg got sold or uh, Atlanta got sold to Winnipeg was kind of my eye opener and the conversations there. So it seemed like that it was going to be at a stall. At least it was frustrating. And I thought, you know, I really, in the time that I had uh, produced pretty well at the NHL level, wasn't, uh, you know, kind of used to the, wasn't given what I was used to as far as senses, uh, maybe rope or, uh, ice time, you know, I really played in a reduced minutes role coming out of London. There was one night in London in Erie, and I, I just stupidly took a 10 minute misconduct at the end of the period by being a mouthy to the ref. So out of 50 minutes in the game possible to play, I played 42 minutes of it. So kind of gives you an idea of what I was used to for ice time <laughs> compared to like, you know, seven, eight minutes. So it, it was, uh, frustrating but at the same time it's it's not an easy league to, to stay in so it was yeah. hard enough to get there and it was even harder to stay so it was it was a bit frustrating and a little bit of a letdown but um i'm a type of god person that you know you can't keep me down you keep trying to knock me down i'll keep getting back up and it doesn't matter so uh brush myself off and continue on my career 
Yeah, you got you got right back up and began your career in the in the European leagues. Like you're still playing at a high level there, and you're just just get right back up and get back to work. That's right. And then uh, the final question for uh, the viewer Q and A is: What's your favorite pump up song? You're trying to get a little lift in, like pregame warmth. Like what were, what were you listening to? <laughs> I don't actually. I don't have one. I never had a pump up song really. Uh, yeah, I wasn't into like the pump up music. I didn't need it. You know, I just naturally loved the game. Would always be pumped. There's one song that I can go back to would be, and it's not even a pump up song. Is it pumped me up because my one of my best friends put it put it out there, Joe Gear. But the name of the song is uh, Donkey Riding by Great Big C. I love it. It's not even a pump-up song. People are going to look it up and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but I don't care. Joey Gear brought it into the locker room. And it was I loved it. I remember being 14 years old, 15 years old, jumping around the locker room with this song. So hey, but you get pumped up right. for you get pumped up just for being at the rink and being being a rink rat. Like that, that's your pump up, pump up music right there. That's all I needed, man. As soon as I came in that building, it just was my my atmosphere. And, uh, I loved it. I love being at the rink. I still am a rink rat, so I love being in there. It's, it's like my – yeah, that's where I love to be. I feel the most comfortable inside of a rink. Yeah, that, that's unreal. But, uh, Rob, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to following your, your work the rest of the way. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Jack. Hope you all have the success. And again, thanks for having me on. Thanks for thinking of me. And um, best of luck. Anything, anytime you need anything, let me know. Reach out. Yeah, sounds good. I, I appreciate it. And thank you once again for coming on. Take care, buddy. See you.